comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation, welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Trone. You can find the show anywhere your podcasts are played, pretty much. We got Spotify, Apple, Google, all the big ones. You can find me on all the major social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all at Aztec Breakdown. You can also find the website, aztecbreakdown.com. Even though I haven't posted there in a little while, I'm hoping to be posting there more into the future, especially as the season gets going. We're coming at you with another early morning pupcast. So, That means the sound quality won't be as good for those of you that are concerned about that. I have gotten some feedback saying it can be a little distracting. I apologize if you are one of those people. This is going to be one of those podcasts uh, because it's what I can I can afford to do right now. But I am hoping to get some other some other better sound quality ones coming out here in the near future. In the meantime. This is the Pupcast, so I am walking my puppy as I'm recording, and we're going to go over some stuff. And today, what we're going to be going over actually isn't basketball-related. It's football-related, and I know I normally do basketball, and the reason I say that is because in basketball, I know what I'm talking about, and football, maybe not as much. But honestly, I was thinking about it, and I was like, my bar for saying I know what I'm talking about is is really high and I've actually been following football longer than basketball and I have still coached football at different levels and and I still realistically probably know more than the average fan so my analysis might not be quite as in-depth and might not go as much into scheme or different things like that but we're still going to talk about football because there's a lot to say and I feel like some of the bigger points are being missed by pretty much everybody I've seen so that's what we're getting into today just to recap what's happened so far in the football season the Aztecs are one and two they have played two Pac-12 opponents and one FCS opponent, and you can guess which one they won and which ones they lost. Against Arizona, the team did not look good in week one, right? They, They came out, they looked unprepared, they looked like they just didn't really know what was going on or what they were they were trying to do right their defense couldn't stop this new Arizona attack and 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 to be fair Arizona did have something like 50 new players on the team they're probably running some new schemes they're doing some new stuff and and maybe the Aztecs prepared for more of the same of what last year was like and and Arizona switched it up because they had new talent and new players that could do different things even even with that, though, the team just looked very much outmatched in that first week. They couldn't really get anything going. They couldn't stop anything Arizona was trying to do. It wasn't a good look. 
week two, they play Idaho State, an FCS opponent, and they, they, I mean, the score kind of makes it look like they dominated. They played better, right? That game was a game like, okay, they're, they're starting to get their stuff together. Uh, their defense looked much more capable. The running game got going on offense. The passing game didn't look great. There was some flashes towards the end. Braxton Burmeister had a drive towards the end of the game where he went four for four for like 40 or 50 yards or something like that. Uh, and so that was encouraging because because Burmeister has been just missing so many throws to open receivers. So at the end of that game, I pointed out, I was like, hopefully, you know, this is a sign of, of he's starting to get into his own rhythm. He's starting to be able to feel things out a little bit better. So there was, there was a glimpse of hope there. For the most part, the team just looked more, more like what we would expect at the very least, right? They had, they had good defense they had a good running game. The passing game was still lacking, but maybe there was a flash in there. Maybe it could, maybe maybe the passing game could get to a point where it can just be a complement to the running game, kind of like in the days of, of Pumphrey and Penny, right? Where it's 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 not necessarily that the passing game is good, but but it can it can be a complement to make sure that people can't just stack up on the box all the time. And then last week happens. They travel to Utah. Burmeister is, is taken out of the game relatively early because he got poked in the eye. Uh, with all the different... I mean, he's played three games and had two injuries so far. With the different types of stuff that's happened, I'm, I mean, I hope he wears a face mask going into the future just because getting poked in the eye the way he did should be a relatively easy thing to prevent if you need your starting quarterback out there. And given the lack of depth at the quarterback position, that seems like it should be pretty, pretty important thing to have your starting quarterback out there. So hopefully he, he wears a face mask in the future. I don't, I don't know why he wasn't. I don't know if he will, but that could be an easy preventative measure. But he gets poked in the eye. Will Haskell, the redshirt freshman, comes out. The guy who's supposed to be essentially the, like the savior of, of Aztec football right? He's the guy who is, who since last year has been heralded as just this, this great player. People saw highlight videos of him before and after his commitment. And he just looked super athletic, which was great. And he showed a couple flashes last season in terms of what he can do. And so there was just a lot of hype about it. And, and, and this is where I want to take the focus here in a minute is we're going to return to Will Haskell but he comes in plays one series it's a three and out he hands off the ball twice he makes one pass it gets it gets one yard and then the offense leaves and we never see Haskell again either and it's not because Burmeister comes back in it's because the offense is given to true freshman Kyle Crum who comes in and doesn't really look any better than than anybody else and to be fair that's probably what you'd expect of of a true freshman in most instances but he comes in and he plays he plays the rest of the game and so the Aztecs lose to Utah 
actually at Utah, the defense looked solid. They were they were holding Utah for a quarter and a half, quarter and two thirds. It was a scoreless game, but but one of the narratives that I do think is accurate is that the defense just kind of got worn down with all the three and outs and short offensive drives. The defense was just out on the field for so long that eventually Utah's talent was going to break through as as the defense wore down. And I'm I'm sure Utah also made some adjustments and found found some things because after that the defense wasn't really able to stop them at all but they they you know for for almost the entire first half they the defense looked good so that was encouraging it the defense doesn't look good as a whole on the season but for that little bit against a top 25 team in the nation the defense looked solid so there's there's that to look forward to at the very least. So through three games, the team hasn't looked great. I, I would put right now what it's looking like is the defense definitely isn't its elite version that we're used to seeing. It's it's probably like a league average defense, maybe even a bit above average if it got some offensive support, right? If it, if it wasn't on the field for so much getting worn down, it could maybe rise up to above average. But right now, it's probably about just an average defense. But the offense is, is bad. The offense is one of the worst in the nation. I, I posted on Twitter lately that they were, like, basically... They were bottom 10 in, I think it was points per game and, or yards per game and like bottom 20 in points per game something like that it's 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 a bad bad offense so that's how the season has gone thus far so let's start with Will Haskell because that's where most of the narrative seems to be focused on right now uh between between you know why did he only get 3 snaps and then since then the news has come out that Will Haskell is transferring. He's going to leave San Diego State after after a season last year that he played a few games, but ultimately was redshirted. And then this year, played a couple games, but never any extended action. And and now he's he's transferring. He he was the savior, and now he has decided it would be best for him to leave. The narrative around Haskell is why was he only given three plays to show what he can do? And why, like, why do the coaches think three plays is enough to pull him? Why, why wasn't he given a chance to get into the rhythm of the game and see what he can actually do rather than giving him one chance and then when he fails, be like, oh, you're pulled. And... This is this is where I think pretty much anybody I've I've seen on Twitter or or anything I've I've heard on the radio or whatever anybody who's been saying this I'm like I don't I don't think this is where the narrative is I don't think it, or, or 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 I don't think it's where it should be focused on at the very least because it's not entirely entirely accurate Will Haskell including the game against Utah played in six games. So it's not like the coaching staff gave him just this one chance 
and it didn't look great, so they pulled him, and then they're never going to go to him again. That's not that's not what happened. They have they have six games worth of worth of tape. Maybe not, not not six games worth of tape, but tape from six different games from six different opponents to look at. I don't know what the snap count is. I don't know how many snaps he played in total. I'd imagine it's somewhere around forty or fifty, but but obviously I can't say for sure between between those six games, even if it's, if it's down, you know, closer to 30, that, that could be the case, but there are more than three live snaps that he got that the, that the team can, can look at on tape. Plus he's had all this time on the practice field that they've seen him. Right. And the coaches, the coaches did allude to that. And we will, we'll get to that in in a second here. Uh, but they've had all the time on, on the practice field, right? In, in all the snaps he's taken, he's thrown 14 passes. He completed seven of them for, for 59 yards. And so it's not even just like, you know, of those 30 or 40 or 50 snaps that they were all just handoffs. Like, he threw some passes. Now, 14 probably isn't even enough for, like, to, to, to match a single game output. Sure, sure, we can still, we can still say that the sample size is, is pretty small overall. I, I, you know, I'd be okay with saying that, but the narrative that he got three snaps and then he was pulled and you know, that's, that's it. That's his only chance just seems dishonest to me. And it's just too, it's just too reactionary, right? We we've seen, we've seen more than those three snaps and, and granted in some of the snaps we saw, he, he flashed some talent and it looked like he maybe could be a good player to the point where where just last season people were saying he should be starting over Lucas Johnson over Jordan Brookshire and let's just let's just start the new the new era now and and I was not one of those people uh my thought was if he's the savior the team is doing fine now speaking about last year and so let's keep him for the future when the defense might not be quite as elite and you need a really good quarterback that was kind of kind of my position and it it has not worked out that way and it won't work out that way now because he is transferring but this idea of of three snaps and then yanked doesn't seem fair to me on a on a grand scale right i don't think that's that's how it worked coach hoke mentioned that you know they have like all the practice time that they've had and stuff and that that he didn't he didn't say this word for word you kind of got to read between the lines a little bit but the message that I took from what I heard from him was that like Will Haskell despite all his athleticism he's been struggling with things like play recognition and making his reads in practice and and things like that and so that is why he was pulled is because the coaches felt that Kyle Crum gave them a better chance to win. And that in and of itself, just taking that at face value for a second, that's, that's fine. You want to put in the players that are going to give you the best chance to win. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. Where I think the story should be is, is first off, if Kyle Crum gives you the best chance to win, why was Haskell in there in the first place? Right? If if that's the case, if Crum gave you the best chance to win after Burmeister went down, why send Haskell in at all? 
it's just poor management and it's going to create controversy as we have seen. And now, and now Haskell is transferring and granted if, if they went to crumb to start with anyways, rather than playing Haskell for a series, Haskell is probably still transferring, but, but at least you can be confident in the knowledge that like, you know, as, as a coach that he's been there for a year and, and a quarter or so. Right. And he's just struggled to do the things you want your quarterback to do. And so if he transfers, like it's not a huge loss. Whereas right now, what it looks like to a lot of fans is that he came out and, and didn't have a great series and got pulled. And now like, you're never going to trust him again. So it looks more like you're pushing him out as opposed to just being like, he hasn't earned his way in. And there's, there's a, there's a definite difference between those two things. And so if, if crumb was the best chance to win, why was Haskell in, in the first place? That's what I want to know. Like, why isn't the depth chart set before the game? Why are you changing up the depth chart in the middle of a game? That is very poor management. At least that's what it seems like to me, right? I don't, I can't think of another time where like you, you want to just change up the plan like that, just willy nilly. It, it's not a good look. And I talked, I think a couple of weeks ago now about how we as fans, we aren't privy to all the information the coaches have. And we also don't have all the experience the coaches have in terms of, in terms of knowing what they're looking for and, and things of that nature. And so when we judge things, it, it can be hard as fans to judge what's happening because oftentimes all we see is the results and we don't see the process and the process is the much more valuable thing to judge overall. But this, like changing up your depth chart in the middle of the game, that's not good process. It's just not. And so if we're, if we're judging the coaching staff, like that is a huge red flag to me at least. And that's where I think the narrative should be around that situation. And you can also point out, you know, now San Diego State has lost a bunch of quarterbacks over the last couple of years, whether it was, whether it was, you know, Will Haskell's transferring, whether it was Lucas Johnson transferring last year, Jordan Brookshire leaving last year. There was uh, a couple years ago. It wasn't really a transfer, but but uh, Jack Sears was an incoming transfer from USC, and he never actually made it to like camp. He ended up decommitting and ended up going to Boise State. And I don't think he did much at Boise State, so maybe it wasn't the biggest loss in the world. But the 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 team and the coaches can't seem to be able to find good quarterbacks and keep them and develop them, and that can be a red flag given how important the quarterback position is and that's something that other people have talked about but that is obviously another red flag because you need you need a good quarterback if you want to win consistently right and it doesn't have to be an elite quarterback right you can do the whole defense and run game thing I have no no problems with defense and run game but you still, even with that, you need a good enough quarterback, right? And Christian Chapman would be an example of that, of a guy who, who on the whole, isn't a great, wasn't a great quarterback, maybe wasn't even a good quarterback 
all in all. He, he like a lot of people, I think would still consider Christian Chapman a below average quarterback, honestly. But he was he was good enough to keep teams honest, basically, right? And and granted, it's a lot easier when you have guys like Pumphrey and Penny running the ball, sure. But he was he was good enough, and they need something like that. And right now. It doesn't look like they have that, right? I'm not sold on Burmeister as a quarterback yet. He seems very skittish and like he just wants to run the ball. And I'm like, shoot, dude, play running back if that's what you want to do. But he hasn't looked great. You got Kyle Crum back there. We haven't seen a lot of him, but but early returns don't point to him being even an average quarterback. And maybe that changes with more time and more snaps in practice. But right now it's not looking great. So the team, the, the prognosis for the team at the moment isn't great. It seems like there's just a lot of things that are being mishandled. We talked about circling back here for a second to the, the quarterbacks leaving. Recently, there, there was the media asked the coaches about and, and Coach Hoke about all the quarterbacks leaving. And now there's a new controversy on top of Haskell leaving. There's a new controversy where Coach Hoke is saying Lucas Johnson wanted to leave the program. And so they said, sure, you can you can leave. We're not going to hold you here. And now Lucas Johnson is coming out and saying more so that he got kind of pushed out of the program. And so there's some controversy there, right? Which, like, they're both telling different stories. So they can't both be true, which one is lying, it seems like sometimes when stuff like this happens, I try to see, is there a way where both people could be telling their truth and there was just a misunderstanding there somewhere? I, I, I had that happen with, with a student of mine recently where he was suspended for two days, essentially, and he was upset about it, but... but uh he was like, okay, I'll be suspended for two days. Uh, but he counted the day that he originally got pulled from class as one of those days. He misunderstood. And then he he suspended one day. He, he served his one day. And on the second day, he was like, hey, I'm good to go now because I, I, missed, I missed two days. And the, the, the staff, the other teachers were like, no, you only did one day. And there was just he was very frustrated because he was confused and I was kind of able to see like, this is where the confusion is coming from. Right. He, he counted the first day that he got pulled from class as one of those days. And so I, I, you know, using that as an example, I try to look for stuff like that when things like this happen, but it's very hard to see how there could be some type of misunderstanding here. And so it very much looks like somebody isn't telling the truth and a lot of the heat is on the coaches for all the other things that seem to have been mismanaged lately. It just, it's not a good look and it's, it's very tough having this happen after a 12 and two season because a lot of the, a lot of the fans, you know, despite how successful last season was, a lot of the fans are now like the coaches, all of them have to go and you kind of get it. You kind of get it. So that's that's the Will Haskell situation and the Lucas Johnson situation. It's it's kind of sad when 
you look at the offense and you think, man, I wish Lucas Johnson was still here. Because Johnson, I I mean, as someone who last season was pretty much always Team Johnson over over Team Brookshire. Brookshire did do really good in that Boise State game, but overall on the season, anytime Brookshire started, I was like, why is he starting? Johnson to me seems like the clearly better player. But even with that, Johnson like objectively isn't a good quarterback. He might be probably kind of somewhere in that Christian Chapman level. He's a different style player, obviously, but somewhere in that level where he's just kind of below average, but maybe good enough to keep a run game honest. And he does it more with his own feet, but he's also pretty good at throwing those fades. But anyways, if you're saying to yourself, man, I wish Lucas Johnson was back at quarterback, like things have gotten bad. So that's the quarterback situation. It's not looking good. It seems like the coaches are mishandling a lot of things over the past year or so. And so none of that is a good look. There's probably a lot of other little issues that we could talk about, but the main issue I have, aside from all these mismanaged situations and the whole quarterback debacle that we've seen over the last year or so, is that this team doesn't seem to have an identity. And especially on the offensive side, they don't seem to have an identity. You can maybe point out a little bit on the defensive side too, but on offense... It's a bit of a feel thing, but they don't seem to know how they want to beat their opponents, right? One of of the great things, to me at least, about some of the past football teams has been that they know what they're going to do, right? They're going to get some big run-blocking linemen. They're going to get some really good running backs, and they're they're just going to pound it down your throat, right? Whether it's inside, whether it's outside, whatever. They're going to run the ball and they'll run some some play actions to try and keep you a little more honest. But for the most part, they're going to run the ball. The other teams know they're going to run the ball, but that's okay because they won't be able to stop it. And I I kind of liked that, honestly. There's, there's, something, there's something to just like knowing that you are good enough at something that even when your opponent knows you're going to do it they can't stop it there's there's something to that and basically since this new offensive coordinator has come in Heklinski that hasn't been there the offense hasn't even been been average since he came in right this is his third year his best year was last year uh so far and granted there's still time this year for something to be turned around, but I'm not going to keep my hopes up for that. His best year was last year. And even then it was like the 70 something best offense in the nation out of 130 teams. So it was below average, right? Maybe, maybe on the low end of average at best, but probably not even there. And so it, the offense hasn't looked good since this new offensive coordinator got here. And granted, it didn't look terribly good even before then, but it had it had an identity, right? This team knew what, what they wanted to do. And, and one example I can give of this that you can see, like without even looking at the tape, if you just look at, at the numbers, if you look at the rushing attempts and how the carries have been split between backs, there isn't 
there isn't one or even two running backs that are that are getting like most of the carries. The running back with the most carries through three games has 24 carries, which means that guy is getting on average eight carries per game. And to be fair, Chance Bell did miss the game at Utah and, and he's supposed to be running back number one. But he isn't even through his two games, he isn't even at, at 20 carries, right? He's he's at like 16 or something. So once again, in the two games he's played, he's only averaging like eight carries. And so the team they don't seem to have like a go-to guy. And there's there's something to be said about having a lot of depth and being able to rotate guys in and out to keep them fresh. That way you can wear down the defense. But at the same time, there's also something to be said about letting a guy get into a rhythm and getting him more carries. That way he can get the feel of the game. He can he can see what the other team is doing and then he can know what he's going to do about it, right? There's something to be said about that as well. And there's a line there. Sure, there's a line there where, you know, you want to get enough a guy enough carries to get into a rhythm, but not so much that he wears down and and you can, you know, use your depth to to keep him fresh and wear down the defense. But I don't think I don't think the Aztecs have hit that line. They've gone far too far, to me at least, towards the depth side of of the spectrum. And I think it's really limiting the running backs. If you only get eight carries, that's that's backup numbers or maybe even third guy numbers. Like if you want to be a running team, your third running back, your third string running back could still get eight carries a game potentially, right? And so there needs to be somebody. Somebody needs to to step up. And and even that's not right because it's it's probably not even their call. It's probably the coach's decision. But they need to find somebody that they can say, we're going to get you the ball 15 to 20 times a game, right? That's still not even that much in the grand scheme of things. And, and maybe some of it is, is through the passing game too, right? A little a, a screen pass or some type of run to the flat or, or something over the middle. But, you know, maybe a couple of those touches can be in the passing game too. But that way, when they're getting 15 to 20 touches a game, that lets them get a little bit more into, into a rhythm, right? And then you can use your backups to, to bring different things whether you're bringing in a speedster like Jordan Bird you could do that I don't know if this team has one of those like bully running backs like those big guys that just bowling ball over people that maybe early in the game don't get all that much yardage but in the fourth quarter when the defense is worn down that's when they start doing stuff I don't know if this team has that guy but if they do get them in there a little bit just to wear people down but you know that way you have your main your main guy your main running back to really shoulder the load shoulder the burden here that would help with the identity you could look at the same thing with the receivers too and the receivers this receiving core i mean on paper they haven't looked great but that's because the quarterback play has been so bad this is honestly while this is a low bar to pass it's probably like one of if not the best receiving core the Aztecs have had in the past like decade honestly and 
they can't get the ball. And once again, that's not that's not entirely on them. There's a large part of that that is related to the quarterbacks. But also, there doesn't seem to be any identity, any focus on like trying to get somebody specifically the ball. And Jesse Matthews is the obvious choice there, but it wouldn't even have to be Jesse Matthews, right? They just seem like they're they're just kind of calling plays without thinking about who do we want to get the ball in this situation for the most part. And once again, that's not a good look, right? You need to be getting the right guys the ball in the right situations, and they're just kind of spreading it out. And once again, if you can spread the ball out to your receivers, it shows a lot of depth, and it shows that your quarterback can can make those reads and those progressions. I don't know if it shows that with these quarterbacks, but in theory, it could show that. But what's actually happening in the Aztecs case is that they just can't really get the ball to anybody and so all the all the receptions are low and nobody gets targeted like enough to be considered a number one receiver type of thing and so this lack of identity of like what are we going to do how are we going to beat our opponents i personally think that that is is really hurting the team and i I, one place where I kind of differ from, I think the populace at large, and it doesn't mean the populace is inherently wrong in this case. I, I kind of think that they're wrong about the Haskell situation, but this case doesn't mean they're inherently wrong, but there's all the talk about the Aztecs need, you know, a new offensive coordinator who can be more creative and open up the playbook and the, the play calling is just unimaginative and whatever. And I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't terribly care how imaginative the playbook is. I just want the plays to work, right? If you have if you have boring plays, but they get you four or five or six yards every time, like that's that's fine. Do that. And in in everyone else's defense, maybe that's a little hypocritical on my part because I'm the one saying the process matters more than the results. And then here I am saying, even if the process maybe isn't the best, as long as the results are good, I don't care. So you know, you can, you can go there as well, but you know, all the talk about like this team needs to embrace the passing attack and do this, that, and the other. I'm kind of like, I, that's not what my expectation is. I don't need them to embrace the passing attack. I don't need this offense to become an air raid offense. If, if, if a coach gets brought in and that's what they want to do, sure. Like if I'm not, I'm not inherently opposed to it, but that's not specifically what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for, and first off an identity and then two, an offense that can, that can work, right? There, there are offenses in the nation that are successful, that are run first offenses. It's not, it's not unheard of. So if you want to be a run first offense as a way to better support the defense, that's fine. Do it. Go for it. I'm not I'm not opposed to that. We don't have to become an air raid attack. We don't need to return air core yell or anything. Just just find an offense that works. And as a closing thought, in regards to the coaching staff and how they're doing and whether or not they should be fired. Me personally, I'm kind of on the on the middle ground here, and I know that there is some 
some disagreement about what specifically should happen. I don't think anybody is on the side of keep everybody and give them one more year. I don't think anybody is saying that. There's a good amount of people in the camp of fire everybody because the offense is bad, but ultimately that reflects on the head coach, right? The head coach is ultimately in charge, so he's the one with all the responsibility. He gets all the blame. If the offense is bad, fire him. And I get that, and I'm more willing to lean that way based on all the different things that have been mismanaged over the past few months or so and, and, and going back even further, right? But overall, I'm not there yet. And the reason why is because this team, this coaching staff did just have a 12 and two season. They made it to the Mountain West Championship game. They lost, and I'm not gonna use the whole they were missing players as an excuse thing even though that might have played some role in it. I, it was a bad enough loss that I don't think you can entirely blame it on that. They did lose. They did win a bowl game, though, once again, and they, they had 12 wins, which is, which is a lot of wins, right? And so overall, despite losing the Mountain West Championship, I think it would be fair to call last season a success. Right, It would have been better with a championship, absolutely, but I think you could call it a success. And then the Aztecs also had more players drafted in the NFL than all, but like, I don't know, I want to say it was like three or four other teams. It might have been closer to like eight, but still, for a team like San Diego State, like a group of five team to be up with the Power Five schools in terms of the NFL draft, that's saying something too, right? And so having a season like that, I... I don't think the smart move is to fire your coach a couple games into the very next season. What I would do, and I I said this on Twitter before, but what I would do is if I'm the athletic director, I'm approaching Coach Hoke. I'm I'm, I'm probably not doing it mid-season because I personally don't think that those mid-season fires ever really work out. I'm sure there's individual cases where something good happened, but for the most part... I don't think it really works out. And like I said, it's, it's you judge the process over the results, right? So if it's not good process, I don't want to do it. So I'm not going to do it mid-season unless something gets really bad. But what I'll do when the season is over is I will approach Coach Hoke. If, if, if I'm the AD, right? This is all hypothetical. But I would approach Coach Hoke and I would say, listen, Coach, your record through these three years has been whatever it is, right? Let's say they finish 500 this year. That that might seem like a stretch, but also the Mountain West is down this year. So 500 might be doable in all reality. So let's say they're 500 this year. They're 500 in the first year. They're 12 and two last year. So overall, that's a winning record. What I would say, even if they, they are like a game or two below 500, Coach Hoke would still have a winning record. But what I would do is I would say, Coach Hoke, you have a winning record while you're here. And so that's good. We do want it to be more. We do expect more. But your first three years have been solid. However, we feel, we meaning, you know, whoever else is on the the AD's staff or whatever, you know, we feel that this team needs a new approach on offense. And so... While, you know, I know like he's your friend or whatever, 
we expect a new a new person to come in as the offensive coordinator because this team needs and deserves a better offense. And if Coach Hoke says, okay, you know, I, we will get, you, like, you're right, we've finished bottom third of the nation for the last, you know, for all three of my years that I've been here as the head coach. So you're right, we need a new look. We will, we will find somebody else. Then that is great. Then you, then you, you, you run it one more time with a new offensive coordinator and, and see what happens. If... Coach Hoke says, you know what, I'm not doing that. Hecklinski is my guy, and, and we're just committed to finding a way to making it work. Then if I'm the athletic director, I say, well, listen, while you have been successful, at least in terms of like winning percentage, like you've won over 500%, or not 500%, over 50% of your games, uh, I'm going to need to let you go because this offense is holding the team back enough that – it's, it's, you know, it's causing a lot of problems. So that's what I would do. I would give him the chance of, of one more year with the new offensive coordinator and, and see what happens there. And then if he refuses, then, then he can go. But that's where I'm at. I would love to hear what everyone else's thoughts are on the coaching situation. And, and if I missed anything, any, any other reasons of, of why they should be fired, regardless at the end of the season or even if, if, you know, if you're that much about it, why you would fire them right now. And, and if you know of anybody you would replace them with, but with that all out of the way, Aztec Nation, this has been the Aztec Breakdown Podcast, and I'll catch you next time.